and welcome to Rebel Hearts, a podcast dedicated to women in the music industry and the challenges that they face. Each episode features songs by your new favorite band and where you can find them. Come on, the show is starting. I'll see you guys at the front. Hey guys, and welcome back to Rebel Hearts. This is episode 28, and this is the long-awaited second part to the Lana Del Rey review episode of Lust for Life, the album that came out this year. And Pat is back, as always, and we are going to start with the second half of Lust for Life, beginning with track number 10. It's called God Bless America and All the Beautiful Women in It, Um, a song that me and Pat were actually disagreeing on prior to recording this episode. I personally don't think that there's anything that I like about the song it's a skip it's a skip song for me I'm really sorry Lana I'm really sorry to all the fans I'm sorry Pat but I just don't care for it it's just not for me and the chorus is way too slow for me but I know that you have so many feelings about this song so that's that's it for me sorry about it (laughs) I like this song I mean it's definitely different from anything that she's ever done but so is this entire record and I like it for the main reason of It's kind of like this small, intimate story about this one woman in America, but intertwined with this large, epic story about being being an American citizen. And it's almost like a call to action, especially for the current political climate we're in. And you have her starting off with the song kind of where she's saying, take me as I am, take me baby in stride, only you can hear me tonight. And it's almost like, Everyone has their own individual stories in this country, but when the time comes, we all do need to stand up and stand strong. And while she's basically addressing the women for the most part, in the end of the song, you hear God bless America and all the beautiful people in it. And it's almost like America's not, America's almost indifferent to who we are or the people in it. It's the people who are in power who are making it difficult for everybody. And I kind of think that that's what this song starts to address, which is interesting. I don't know. It's very, this is the political half of the album. This is like the very politically charged part. Definitely. Um, The next song is actually called when the war was at, uh, when the world was at war, we kept dancing. So it definitely is the more political half. Um, Like I had mentioned before that Lana Del Rey is no longer using American flag visuals in her production because of the Trump administration. And Pat and I are kind of like mixed about it, but mostly on the same page because it really sucks that Trump has taken something like the American flag and just really tainted it. Um, Pat was telling me how he used to be kind of a fan of ever so often wearing a piece of clothing with the American flag on it and now it's just tainted and filled with hate and fucking awful. Well, yeah, I mean Lana a lot of her career and her visuals and her themes are very like Americana based. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's a very like distinct very visual Thing. I don't know. I was a fan of it. I think a lot of people who listen to Lana are also a fan of it. You see it in all of her early videos, like in Born to Die, it's her and her lover holding each other in front of an American flag. And in the ride video, she has an American flag while she's on a motorcycle driving down the highway. So it's a reoccurring theme. And it's also, it's just kind of 
upsetting that she feels ashamed now, but it's it's obviously very understandable. Um, but yeah, and I well <laughs> back to the song. <laughs> um, well, I also like the uh, point of the song where she, you know, it could be seen as her speaking to someone she loves, or it could be her speaking to America itself, saying, you know, take me as I am, take take me for what I do. You know, I'll walk alone sometimes, but I'll like I'm still here, and that's what America's based on. You know, it's based on give me your huddled masses. That's what the Statue of Liberty says. <laughs> so like, it's about taking like the people who might be alone in their lives sometimes, and you might come from all different paths that they walk, and kind of giving them a place. Even though, like within recent years, it's been very turbulent and. There's been a lot of conversation about those ideas specifically. I think that this is, she's trying to say it without explicitly saying it. Definitely agree. (laughs) Um, God Bless America, a song that both of us have opinions on, whether they're differing or or not for that matter. Um, It's definitely an important song and it definitely has an important message. So let's just play a couple seconds of that. So that was track 10, God Bless America and all the beautiful women in it. The next track is called When the World Was at War, We Kept Dancing. This is track 11. I personally love the guitar opening and then the mix of the familiar sound we've heard throughout the record. Very, very well paired, I think, personally. Lana is asking, is this the end of America? Raising the question we all want the answer to at this point. (laughs) Lana is basically saying we were blind before to war and the fall of America, but now we're starting to wake up, or at least hope we're waking up and say holy shit wait this is not good we should be paying attention and it's a really impactful song because a lot of people are kind of asleep and kind of don't want to deal with the things that are going on right now a lot of people are just like eh it's not going to change or eh he's just Trump or all of those other things that are not okay and I think that we need to be more aware and I think that we have to be more accepting of change and yeah, that's all I have to say about this song. But it's a really good song. I personally like it. <laughs> One of my favorites. I, yeah, I really like this song too. It kind of, um, it combines like the acoustic production of other songs on the album with like kind of the, I wouldn't even say dancey, but more upbeat, even though it's a very dark theme. But yeah, I mean, as far as lyrically goes, it's it's just an interesting song because I mean, to me, it might be one of her most confusing lyrically songs. And it's all, you know, it's like, girls, don't forget your pearls or your horses. And like, it's all these like, don't forget all these objects that are identified with femininity. And and then boys being like, you know, don't be too loud. Don't make jokes people don't understand because it can hurt, it can hurt you. Which is, I don't, I don't know, it's just, it's very interesting. But then it kind of like, all comes down to this chorus, which is a solution, I guess, in the song where if the world's at war, just keep on dancing, you know, keep living. And 
do what they did when times were rough in the past. You know, they, what they did, they, they chipped away at it. They worked on it. They danced. They had fun. There's no, this, even though it's a bad time, there's no reason for any of us to just stop and lay, you know, lay down and just, you know, die. <laughs> like there's, there, there, no good will come out of that. So this is kind of just like, yeah, it's kind of like an anthem almost, especially her saying, cut a rug, lean into the fucking youth, which is her saying, you know, lean into the youth, rely on them. They know they're, they're growing up through these times, you know, like listen to them, look at them just because they're young. Don't discount them. And there's also one lyric I want to talk about where she says, is it the end of an era? Is it the end of America? Which I think people take this as like a very nihilistic or negative um, approach to where America's going. But in my opinion, it's like, you know, the end of an era isn't only isn't always a bad one. And it means the start of a new era. So she could just, you know, this could be, it could very well be the end of an era. And I personally think that, you know, for the next election term or coming years, that things are going to be drastically different for everybody. But it, again, it's no reason to harp on it. And it might, I don't think it'll ever be the end of America because America's always constantly changing its values with the people that live there. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of her looking towards the future. And just when you're like, when you in the present, just dance, just keep dancing. <laughs> just keep dancing. Yeah. Great song. Definitely think that it just all around, I like it. So here's a couple of seconds of When the World Was at War. We kept dancing. Girls, don't forget your pearls and all of your horses. Okay, so that was track number 11, When the World Was at War, We Kept Dancing. And now we are on to track number 12, which is a collab with Stevie Nicks. It's called Beautiful People, Beautiful Problems. And this song is definitely very interesting because we haven't seen somebody who is so prevalent in the pop landscape collab with a legend like Stevie Nicks. And it's kind of, this is the beginning of a, like a consecutive collaboration with two people who were definitely reminiscent of, you know, the eighties and the seventies. And it kind of, the album kind of takes a dip tonally towards that. But this song is basically about how we get caught up in all these little dramas day to day and our little problems. And we become shallow from it and we only concentrate on those, but we're living on this earth with, the beauty and animals and uh, like just the human race itself is beautiful as well. So that's why the title is beautiful people, beautiful problems because our problems are very superficial. And then we have to take a step back and realize, you know, the dove sees the earth differently than we do. 
and Stevie Nicks's voice pairs very well with Lana's, which is very strange because Lana's voice is so airy and breathy, and then Stevie Nicks's is so full and so almost soulful. But I think it's a very um, good match, and I don't think a lot of people thought it would work, but it definitely worked in her favor. But yeah, it's a pretty short song, good message, good vocals. I'll hand it off to Sam. I don't have as much to say about it as Pat does. I mean, it's one of those songs where it's just good. You know, there's not a lot to think about. It's just a good song. Stevie Nicks is incredible. She'll always be a legend. Um, Lana just has a really simple way of having great openings with her songs, this with the piano and then a slow build to adding more subtle instruments. I just, I absolutely love it. I love everything that she's doing on this record with instruments and her voice and just playing around with that dynamic is just really, really cool to see, especially as somebody who's not a really big Lana Del Rey fan. I mean, I was just telling Pat that I listened to a song off of her record Born to Die off to the races and that song is awesome like it's absolutely incredible and it also is a lot different than what we're hearing now you know her voice was a lot less full back then it was a lot less rich it's almost like when I was listening to the hush sound on like vines and then when I listened to um, goodbye blues it's like oh my gosh Greta your voice is now basically dripping honey it's incredible so I really like the change in Lana from that. I mean, obviously she grew up and matured, but wow, what a, what a change! I'm I'm here for that. I love get off to the races. I have it stuck yeah. in my head right now. Off to the races was that was my for I think my like introduction to Lana, which yeah, thinking comparing that song to this song, it's like off to the races is her like baby doll persona, and then yeah, like very high falsettos, and this is just like her voice kind of just like melts over the entire track. And it's weird because you hear Stevie's and like Stevie has such a distinct voice that like, honestly, for me, it was an acquired taste. And I know that's like not, like, like, that's not the norm. yeah, I know some people are going to be like, what the, what the hell? <laughs> but yeah, for me, it's like a while for me to like Stevie, but just, yeah, the, um, I think that, yeah, the difference between both of them just adds so much to the song. And then when they sing together, it's like, Ooh, gives me chills. <laughs> it's strange because Lana did collabs on this record with people that are unexpected and people that you're like, that wouldn't sound good, but it just works. And I think it's just because Lana is a master at her craft. Like she knows what the fuck she's doing. She's not just putting these people on for shits and giggles. She's putting them on with purpose. And I love that. I love when musicians are smart about their collaborations. I love when people have a purpose on them. I love... You know, not just putting someone on for the sake of putting them on, even though I know you kind of think that's why The Weeknd was on this record. That is why The Weeknd's <laughs> on this record. But it works. It yeah. works. It sounds like that song was made for his voice. And maybe it was. Maybe she had him yeah. in mind when she wrote Lust for Life, the title track. That's true. Why? Well, I, <laughs> I know that, like, the reason why Stevie Nicks is on the, like, on the track is because Lana wanted... A very strong female voice on on the album and she's asking her manager and her manager was like hey i know stevie nicks <laughs> and then when they called stevie she didn't even hesitate she like hopped on the next plane like came into the studio and lana said that she was like dressed in like all black and gold with like rings and jewelry everywhere looking like a superstar and Lana was just in like jeans and a t-shirt and she said she felt like so inadequate but I mean it doesn't come across in the song 
(laughs) Actually, a funny Stevie Nicks fact uh, that I saw today on Twitter is that Stevie Nicks was at a Harry Styles concert recording Harry Styles doing a cover of Fleetwood Mac (laughs) with with somebody from the band. And someone's like, this is the most Stevie Nicks thing that you're ever going to see. And I was like, I would literally do the same thing. She just seems like a really, she seems like a down-ass bitch that I want to hang out with still. <laughs> I love her. She's so cool. They're like the two t- coolest women on one record. What more could you want? So enough about the song. Here's a, here's a couple of seconds. I love his heart at work, hard to the touch, but warm is the body of the So that was track 12, Beautiful People, Beautiful Problems, featuring Stevie Nicks. This is track 13, Tomorrow Never Came, featuring Sean Ono Lennon. So Pat and I are actually worlds apart on this song, like absolute worlds apart, like different universes, different galaxies. Like he is in Marvel, I am in DC. (laughs) So I'm just going to say a little bit about it. And then Pat's just going to go on and on about it because he absolutely loves the song. All I want to say before I let him, you know, have at it is I just don't like it. I really just don't like it. I feel like Sean's part sounds too much like it's a Beatles song. And as much as I respect the fuck out of what they did, I will never be a Beatles fan. The song is too 70s Woodstock vibe for me. If there was a video, I picture it being old movie Burnt Yellow and Lana at Woodstock with people walking by her and she's just singing. I do get a visual when I hear the song, but I just don't like Sean's part too slow personally for me. That's uh that's my uh, kick in the face at the song. So do you want to do you want to do it justice? All right. So, this song, this song has like potential wedding song quality to me. I love this song so much. I think it captures the essence of falling in love and being so intimately connected to somebody and losing them that like I think every I feel like every single person can relate to this song, you know, just the feeling of just waiting just you wait you wait and somebody somebody keeps promising you that you know either you can be together or they're promising promising you anything and then they never come through and how disappointing that is for someone who you're deeply in love with and holding on to those memories that you had when you were young like playing guitar in your barn and like oh I just love it so much I love the acoustic quality to it I love Lana's beginning verse like hey what you doing like it just I don't because it's just it's very it's like a casual conversation between two lovers but in song form and it's like years apart which I don't I really really like it it's like they're both caught up in these memories of nostalgia which again everyone knows Lana loves nostalgia (laughs) it's what she made her career off of but yeah I think Sean I get I get that people think he sounds too much like John Lennon and maybe he's trying to emulate his dad way too much but I just think it works so perfectly, you know, and I I get the whole Woodstock vibe vibe. But like, I love that vibe. <laughs> like I when I listen to this, I want to be in a field of flowers. I want someone playing guitar next to me. I want to be drinking wine in a barn. 
you know it's just so perfect i want to go to that one special place that you share with that person that not a lot of people know of and dance and oh it's just i don't know it really does it for me (laughs) isn't yoko love this song yoko loves this song yoko you know lana and yoko talked and yoko said that this is her favorite thing that sean did ever and sean has his own band and his own albums and that's coming from his mom like (laughs) but honestly if my child didn't make anything with lana del rey i would say that too (laughs) <laughs> so, that's a totally different story though yeah. <laughs> but i don't i don't like i just i i don't lyric i love the lyrics <sighs> like lay with me on the side of paradise it's just so beautiful i love it i don't know <laughs> pat pat gets emotional every time he hears the song he absolutely adores it in every way possible it makes me want to cry you said you love me like no tomorrow but tomorrow never came how devastatingly beautiful is that? Wait for me on that park bench and like they never show up? Oh my God, it would like rip my heart out. <laughs> and I think what I admire the most about the song is that they both, both of the people in, in the song, not saying that, you know, either this is first person perspective from Lana or Sean's view, is that they both care about so like so much like what's going on in each other's heads. And I think that from... Going from a such an epic album, you know, exploring themes of politics and love and space. It's very sci-fi, you know, just having this like bombastic, massive sound that just like hitting this acoustic track and having just bringing it back to, you know, what really is what really matters to people most in their life, which is like talking with the person they love the most and just wondering what they think of this and what they think of each other. And that's why I like, I like when he says, you know, Penny for your thoughts, those lights are blinking on that old jukebox. Oh, it just, it brings me to a special place that, you know, I don't even know if I've been there before, but that's just how good the song is in my opinion, where I can visualize it. And I really like it. It definitely, the song tells a story. It tells a massive it tells a massive timeline, but it's also very intimate. It's nice. It's it's def <laughs> it's it is the most visual song on the record, without a doubt. Yeah. Like I can picture like what you said, I've never been to the place that I'm imagining when I hear this song, but I can imagine a place. And I can also picture the video for it. And I can picture Lana singing the song in the studio. Like this song is so visual for me. It's just I, I see it. I, I listen to the song and I just see it. And I don't even like the song that much. So that just shows what an incredible talent that Lana Del Rey has. And also Sean Ono Lennon, you know. Well, maybe maybe you'll start liking it more from now on. <laughs> I don't hate the song. I just think that as as a as a collective on this record, I really like Cherry. I love that song. Yeah. I think it's a great song. But also... If you compare Cherry to Tomorrow Never Came, those are totally two different headspaces. Like when I listen, like when I visualize Cherry, I don't visualize what I do for Tomorrow Never Came. Like those are two different me's. Yeah. Those are two different moods, you know? Like Cherry is a very like sensual, sexy, like sultry song. This is very like in love song. Yeah, I think that the the more I listen to the album, especially now doing these reviews, is 
you realize that the whole album is on a timeline and you know you start off with these not to say they're not as um deep or in depth as the other as the songs later on in the album but you know they start off they're more accessible so you have like love very accessible cherry the most pop song on the album very accessible and you have like you know white mustang and those but then like once you get to the later part yeah once you get to the later part of the album you start getting into these more cryptic songs and more intimate songs and yeah i think that's where like the backbone of the record is because by the end song by get free it's kind of like you know you listen to get free and you listen to love two polar opposites the whole album's like a journey and like sonically lyrically everything Oh, definitely. Like the first half of this record, the way that we were talking about those songs is totally different than the way that we're going to talk about these songs. You know, those are two. I feel like those are two different records, but somehow tied together. Yeah, it's it's so strange how she was able to do it on this record. Like I've I listen to a bunch of music and I am not a Lana Del Rey fan. I, I haven't been. And it's just amazing to see such a polar opposite A and B side, essentially. And they're so cohesive. Like, yeah. this is the same person that did both these sides, but they're two totally different moods. It's, it's crazy. I love it. I love it so much. It's basically like being in a relationship, you know? Like, the whole, like, sultry, sexy love, lust part, and then the being in love part, and then the fear of losing and the losing. Yeah. It's crazy. And Yeah, exactly. And then, like, the examination of, you know, why. Like, why is this working or why isn't this working? Oh, yeah. Very. I just it's incredible. Um, I hope you guys like Tomorrow Never Came as much as Pat does. And hopefully one day I'll like it as much as Pat does. But here's a little bit of that. Roses out in your country house. We play guitar in your All right, so that was track number 13, Tomorrow Never Came, with Sean Ono Lennon. And now we're on to track number 14, which is called Heroin. And you could tell just from the title of this track, you know, it's going to be, there's going to be some controversy surrounding it. And there's been a lot of records throughout history also called Heroin that always have controversy around it. So I think she really knew what was, you know, what was going to happen when she put this track on the album. And again, like I said before, the beginning of the album is very straightforward with its meaning and its metaphors. And then you hit this song and you kind of hit a brick wall. And, you know, I've listened to this song many, many times, multiple times a day sometimes, because I really, really, really like it. But up until a few seconds ago, I didn't even know exactly what the album, what the song was about. And I had to do some research and, you know, it's about um lana or whoever it might not the song might not even be about her but this starlet going to this place this hideaway called topanga which was very popular in california during the 20s like prohibition era 
And then from then, she talks about um, trying to sleep and being plagued by nightmares, which is very relatable because I think everyone's been through that, you know, your anxieties keep you up. And then as soon as you are so exhausted from them, you know, your nightmares wake you up and it's just kind of this vicious cycle and you can be in the most beautiful place. Like you can be in this beautiful seaside town and hear the ocean and it's supposed to be peaceful and serene, but it's not. And then she goes into saying, you know, life rocks me like Motley, obviously Motley Crue, the band. So there's a lot of references, a lot of outside references in the song and metaphors that are very hard to understand. Like, I didn't know that in one lyric she says, Topang is hot today, Manson's in the air, and all my friends have gone because they still feel him here. And she's talking about Charles Manson. And how he had like such a grip on his followers and almost like she ha- he has a grip on her, which is interesting. And then she actually references the Manson murders later on in the song during the bridge, which is disturbing, <laughs> frankly. You know, she's talking about blood on the walls and it's a very dark song. Like the production is very deep, very dark, um, very spacey and dreamlike which initially is what attracted me to it. And I think it definitely has the darkest tone on the album. Um, but yeah, it's she kind of, she's referencing this the whole album, Heroin, which, you know, it's like the ultimate drug and how it could feel the best, but it'll rip everything from you, you know, it'll destroy your life and you do it once, your life's over. So I'm honestly... I'm not even I'm not even positive what what this song is about. It's so cryptic and I think surface level people just think um you know it's about being so in love with somebody that once they're gone it's impossible to live without them. But I don't think that's correct because there's nothing that references love in the song at all. It talks about um marzipan which I know that if you do do heroin, you like to eat sweet things. <laughs> so it's it's very it talks about decay and leaving this earth and the feeling of being high on heroin almost, and how people like are going crazy in the city because it's so hot. It's an unusually hot winter. Uh, it's just it's a very it's the song is hard to crack, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna hand it off to Sam because yeah I had a lot to say about it and I I'm still gonna think about it for the next week or two. But it's one of those songs where I I like the lyrics more than I actually like the song. To be completely honest with you guys, it does a really good job at building to that explosive chorus. I would I would be like it. It's a scene in a movie when two characters finally kiss and it starts to get super intense. I see a lot of this record in a movie as you can probably tell and the chorus isn't explosive in a way you probably picture like boom boom heavy bass but for the song it's like very slow like and then bam i think that's like the best way to describe it i don't know it's a really poor explanation but it's not explosive explosive it's not like in your face but for this song it's like okay all right we're moving on we're building we're building to taking off the clothes at this point that's that's how i picture it you know the end kind of does explode more personally i think it's pat's favorite part in the whole song (laughs) we were playing it in the car and he he loves it i personally think it doesn't belong in the song just because it doesn't 
it doesn't seem like it fits but that's just my opinion and my opinion's kind of trash at this point on this record <laughs> but <laughs> i don't i don't know why you like it so much i really don't i don't know for me this song is almost like a descent into madness and like what you said about the chorus where it has that deep once hit the chorus it has like that deep guttural bass and it's not even that the lyrics pick up it's like they might even slow down a little bit but it's still it's like very jarring in the way you wouldn't expect and that's why I also do like you know the ending of it like the I guess like the bridge at the end of it because it's very it's, it's a complete shift from the song you know it goes from this like very dreamy very bassy very low treble um swelling of music and then it hits that one part and it's just like guitar and screaming and I don't know for me it's it's weird because I the idea of heroin and I, I don't know I feel like the whole song is honestly just about Lana going fucking nuts because she's talking about murderers and I don't think people really listen to the song that closely but yeah good song anyway Here's a little clip of heroin. It's fucking hot, hot. When we're in the city, something about this weather made these kids go crazy. It's hot, even for February. Something about the sun has made these kids get scary. So that was track 14, Heroin. This is track 15. It's called Change. It's a simple, clean, brilliant song really just piano and lana the song is hopeful and even has that tone of hopefulness where we usually hear the helpless the hopelessness in her voice and in the lyrics but this has a different tone and completely different feel than the rest of the record i think it's nice to hear her feel a little hopeful and you know little things are going to get better as opposed to the sad nihilistic lyrics that we usually are familiar with hearing with lana and i definitely think that this record takes a lot of twists and turns and definitely has a lot of different opinions even though it's from one one person so I don't have much more to say about change I think it's a good clean song I don't think it has any frills I don't think it really does anything too crazy I don't think it has an overproductive feel to it I think it's just nice just does what it does well yeah I think yeah change is very much so a statement song and it's I like the way that she kind of alludes to this fact that we've been trying to escape this change, whatever it is, for so long that, you know, it's almost here. It's caught up to us and we have to deal with it now. You know, she says, I, I can feel it coming on the wings of a bomb. So it might not necessarily mean war or anything, but, you know, with all the rising tensions, we have to deal with this. You can you go outside, you can feel it in the air, you can feel the tension, you can feel everything. And I'm not uh, not to say that it's a bad thing, but it's kind of just like, all right, yeah, this is happening whether we like it or not. And like human beings are very powerful, sometimes so powerful that we don't realize what we're capable of and wh- whether that's good or bad and what we could do to fix something. And yeah, I think this is a, just another song, kind of like Coachella, what stuck in my mind, where she really sat down and meditated on the thoughts of what's going on in the world right now. It's a very political song. And yeah, I like it. I mean, it's definitely, it's it's a long song. <laughs> it's, 
you know, it's it's not it's easy listening. It's very nice. Um, it's not very like inflammatory or anything, which I think could be a good thing. It's very subtle in its motives, but yeah, very straightforward song. Yeah. There's there's nothing really to guess on this song. I think it's not like heroin where you're kind of looking at what you're kind of confused on what it is and you're researching and trying to pick apart the lyrics change is very straightforward and i think that sometimes it's nice to not have to think about a song i mean of course thinking isn't a bad thing um also the like the fake happy video for paramore a lot of people didn't understand it whereas big fans of them either read Haley's Instagram post or they kind of understood where the video was coming from. A lot of people just don't want to think nowadays. And I think that's really unfortunate. So change is definitely a song for those kinds of people. But for me, you know, this, this record is super long. It's 16 songs and it's got a bunch of long songs that sometimes you just want to chill out, relax and not have to think. So I definitely think that caters to those types of people. So that was track 15. It's called Change. This is the last track of the record. It is track 16. It's called Get Free. The song sounds a lot like Love. It is super cool how she ended in a similar way uh, as the way that she opened the record, actually. I feel like this song would be in a movie where the girl and the guy see each other across the room and look at each other and they finally approach. It's a long song. So definitely makes you reflect on the entire record and it definitely puts you in a sense I don't even know what I'm saying but it definitely makes you feel something regardless what it is if it makes you feel the way that I feel like how a movie is and the two people approach each other or if it makes you feel you know love or lust or whatever makes you feel I think get free is one of those songs that's interchangeable and definitely can have a lot of feeling behind it I know Pat loves the song so I'm just gonna let him have at it at this point because everything I'm saying makes absolutely no sense and does the song no justice whatsoever 
All right. So, in my opinion, this is like the peak of the album. Like everything else is just stems from this song. This is one of this song did what Ride did and it evokes this feeling of freedom, which in my opinion is an even greater feeling than love. This song is all about um seeking freedom, finding freedom, being forgotten and really just being living your own life i mean it says it right in the title get free and i just think that um the lyrics combined with the production are like exquisite you know it's it sounds like you you could hear this in like a 50s diner or something but then it just once it hits the chorus it just completely dissolves into this acid trip wormhole of lana layering her own vocals with herself and it's just, it's so interesting. And then, yeah, she uh, references Neil Young's song a lot when she says, out of the black and into the blue, which is a reference to Hey, 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 My, My, Into the Black, which is all about becoming a faded rock star, you know, being once the center of attention and kind of just fading into the background. But it's also different. Because in the way Lana uses the reference is she's trying to say that, you know, I'm done with the, my past. I'm done with the blackness of my past and the darkness. And I'm done with having to choose to live my own life, you know, because that shouldn't be a choice. That should just be, that's just, that should be a given, you know. She's done with having to put people in front of her or looking at somebody and them telling her how to live. And I don't know, just... Just the entire, the title, the lyrics, you know, get free. I don't know. It just, it makes, it gives you that little glimpse of freedom that I think everyone wants to try to feel at least once in their life. And it's my, yeah, it's my favorite song. It's a, she's, it's her commitment to herself. You know, it's a commitment to herself and her fans. And it's just a very interesting song to end the record on. And I personally think that this is one of the songs that she'll always be remembered for because it's so interesting and philosophical and profound and fantastic. (laughs) Get Free is the last song on the record, and I definitely think that it is worthy of the last record song because a lot of people say that the only things that you really remember from anything is the beginning and the end. You know, what you remember from any concert that you've ever seen or really anything in your life, you remember the first thing and you remember the last thing. And I definitely remember love and I'm definitely going to remember Get Free. So I definitely think that Lana was incredibly smart with that decision. And it's not that I forgot about these songs in the middle, but they definitely are a strong beginning and a strong end for Lust for Life, personally. Yeah, no, this, it's... This song, I don't think they she could have, could have ended the album on a better note. This song is completely dissolving the persona of Lana Del Rey. This is her explicitly saying that, like she she's wants nothing more than her life to be free, and whether that means free from like toxic people, free from herself, free from fame. She references all of it. She references trying to grab on some rainbows because. They are so beautiful, but once you try to touch them, they just dissolve in your hands because they're, they're not real. I mean, you can see them, but once you try to be, once you try to touch it, it just disappears, which I don't know. I feel like it's kind of her saying that she's been tracing, like chasing this 
um, life this, of celebrity. Yeah, like this invisible goal of this invisible American dream, and then she finally thinks that she has achieved it, and she's like, "I didn't." And I've been striving and I've been reaching to reach this point in my life. And now that I'm here, what is it? You know, I think the only like the only thing left for her to do is to get free, like get like freedom, like truly free, not just like, oh, I don't care what people think about me. Like, I'm free. No, it's it's a very different feeling. It's real. It's really how it's a very you know it when you feel it. It's hard to explain. But again, this song like kind of gets me closest to that feeling that I ever will and so and it yeah it reminds me a lot of ride definitely a great note to end on here is a little bit of get free this is my commitment my modern manifesto Okay, so that was Get Free, and we have finally made it to the end of the album, the end of the 16-track epic journey of Lana Del Rey. <laughs> um, yeah, so this this album, I this album is probably my most anticipated album of 2017, and probably my most anticipated Lana album because, you know. When her albums were coming out, I was kind of just getting into her. So by the time I was really into her, you know, Ultraviolence was already out. So all then I just had to wait for Honeymoon. And even when Honeymoon came out, I was like, I'll listen to it. But this album, I waited. I waited. <laughs> and it hurt to wait for this. And, you know, if I had to give it uh, a rating out of 10, I would give it... Ah... <sighs> I would give it a a nine, okay. Because I don't want to give it a ten because I don't. I want to see her even improve even more. You know, I want I want her to keep making albums. I don't want me. I don't want for me to li- ever listen to one of her albums and say this is a perfect album because I always want her to release something better, and I want her to keep releasing better things until I die or until she dies. Which will be very sad for me. <laughs> but yeah, so um, if I had to like put it in one sentence, this this album was, is like, you know, it's a journey through time and space that she brings her fans along with her. It's a love letter and it's also a statement. And that's it's her most unique album yet. That's all I have to say. As somebody who is not a Lana Del Rey fan, it's kind of hard for me to even really close any thoughts on this. I will say, um, I was telling Pat, I personally give the record an eight and a half out of 10. And I give it that rating because I, prior to this, I listened to a couple of Lana Del Rey songs and I couldn't get through any of them. And for once in my life, I could get through multiple Lana Del Rey songs and that's on this record. And they're actually in a heavy rotation on my playlist. I listen to um, Love, Lust for Life, Cherry, and um, Summer Bummer. Those are my songs that I listen to on a regular basis. And that's super strange for me because I 
couldn't get into her for the life of me and it broke my heart because everybody that I know at least knows of her and most of them worship her and basically are devoted to her worship is a terrible word I'm sorry that I use that but devoted is a better <laughs> devoted is a better word I don't I like her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, devoted is the word that I'm going to use regardless of what Pat thinks but um yeah everybody that I know is absolutely devoted to Lana Del Rey so to be the odd man out even though I'm used to being the odd man out but for this it just sucked so when Pat uh Pat and I were coming back from uh Cherry Grove that one night uh <laughs> and we were listening to Lust for Life I was into it and I was so happy that I was into it and um the more I listened to it and then doing this review episode actually has helped me have a more have a better understanding and appreciation for Lana Del Rey I went to kind of a Lana hole in a, uh, a bit where I watched uh, live videos interviews and really kind of dug deeper into her as a person and her music like I found out that she was from Long Island which is cool because we're from Long Island <laughs> so I thought that that was really neat and Pat was telling me before he gave me some advice he said really watch her videos and really kind of dig deeper into Lana Del Rey and Lizzie Grant the person because if you take her for face value you're gonna think it's very shallow and you're not gonna really understand it but if you dive a little deeper even if you just read her wikipedia page at at the very least i think it'll help you understand her music a little more she's one of those people where it really requires more thought than just the surface and i think that's my problem i think that's why i couldn't get into any of her music because i was just taking her for face value and it didn't do anything for me face value for lana del rey doesn't mean anything it literally means shit so i definitely give you guys the advice that if you're not sold on lust for life yet if you're not sold on lana del rey definitely do a little research on her you know spend the 20 minutes and read up on her and really see what she's all about watch an interview for 20 seconds and really get a good idea of what she's about and dive deeper into her lyrics you know there's a lot of heavy content on lust for life alone and i know that she's explored a lot of different things on a lot of different records i've mentioned before that she's retiring her song cola because of the harvey weinstein allegations and the retirement of the american flag because of the trump administration so lana del rey is definitely really present and she's definitely basically woke is the 2017 term but she is definitely woke and she is definitely changing with the times and she's definitely very aware of what's going on so that's that's what I have to say about it in eight and a half is not that bad for a record that I didn't know existed up until like I don't know a couple months ago and an artist that I never really paid attention to until a couple months ago so I don't think that's so bad no me neither I think <laughs> You know, anybody who's just like jumping into her with this record, hey, if you like it, that's great. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, like Sam was saying, she is, you know, she is very face value sometimes. She's a very beautiful girl. She has very pretty visuals, but everything she does is backed up with so much thought and meaning that, yeah, really, if you if you're intrigued by her, do some digging and you will you'll fall in love with her i like i, I guarantee you <laughs> <laughs> or your money back yeah <laughs> <laughs> well the good thing is like we were we were talking about it and it's just if you ever watch a lana del rey interview she thinks about what she's gonna say she's very she pauses she'll be like yeah well you know and 
I I kind of hated it. I hate people that talk that slow. Personally, you guys can tell that I speak very quick. <laughs> but um, I actually admire it the more I think about it because she actually cares about what she's putting out there. She's not just putting out garbage. Like she cares about her image. Yeah. No, it's all it's the way she speaks to me is all it's like very endearing actually. You know, this is a she carefully she steps very lightly. Um she thinks about everything is very calculated and not in the bad way, but which I yeah, I think it's good. She, everything is very well thought out, which I think definitely gives her an advantage over a lot of people in the public eye. You know, she she's shy. She's bashful. I think a lot more people should be a little shy and shut their mouths once in a while. Um, but yeah, and I think that's why she's doing so well. She keeps to her own. She makes her art. She loves her fans, and that's it. She doesn't have. She's yet to apologize. Have to apologize for anything because she has yet to really make an apologetic, apology worthy mistake. Yeah. No. She. She very much. <laughs> she. I. She, she has a good heart. Like I think. Like through it all, like she actually just does want the best for the world and her fans, and I think people see that. I hope I hope yeah. people see that. Lana Del Rey is one of those people that Pat was saying he's absolutely fascinated by her. She's somebody who, if you if you dig dig a little deeper, you're absolutely fascinated with her. You're infatuated because she is so different. You know, we're considering her a pop artist, mm-hmm. but she couldn't be any further from pop just with her ideals and the way that she carries herself. Yeah, I mean, she's always been mysterious ever since she came on the scene, and. Her mystery, like her mystery, makes her magnetic, and you just kind of can't take your eyes off her, and you just, you want to know what's going on in her brain because she is very, she's like a woman of few words, even though she's a singer, and all of her words are very poignant and like, they, yeah, they have a, lot, they have a lot of meaning behind them, and so like you hear her speak, and you're like, shit, yeah, okay, and, I but, believe everything she's saying. Yeah, I believe every, and it's coming from this like super squeaky soft-spoken girl and then she opens her mouth and she has this like crazy like alto voice and it's like deep and beautiful and ugh, just dripping with sultry <laughs> yeah she's she's like oh she's an enigma i don't even know she's incredible <laughs> <laughs> spongebob joke i I I think that's really I mean Pat could talk about Lana Del Rey for the next four days if I if I allowed him to but <laughs> I think that uh, we got the point across here and I'm really glad that we did this um, I'm really thankful for the friends that I've had for this long meet like I mentioned in the first part of this episode slash every episode that Pat's been on Pat and I have been friends for 17 18 years and uh, I love having him as a friend. I love having him as somebody who I can bounce ideas off of. I love that he is such a avid, rabid, whatever you want to call it, uh, Lana Del Rey fan. I I love that he has different ideas than me. I love that he dives as deep into music as I do because it is so, it's so rare and it's unfortunate to say, but it's so rare when you have people that have this many um thoughts on so many songs like you could talk about every Lana Del Rey record like this and it's just super super cool and I I love it so much and I'm so thankful that Pat is on here doing this episode with me and we have also decided that we are going to do a couple more review episodes in the future at some point 
<laughs> reviews, discussions. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's all the <laughs> yeah. same thing. Um, we're hoping to do uh, maybe a Charlie XCX uh, review episode, an Angel Olsen review episode, and um, Grimes. And we might do more in the future depending on if Pat is you know, not working or, you know, if he's available, but I definitely like doing episodes like this. Pat is my number one go-to for music. That's all we ever talk about. And I'm just really thankful that this got to happen. Oh, thank you for having me. I loved being here. (laughs) You can come on whenever you want. Yeah. I hope you guys, I say this every episode, but I hope you guys like Pat because you're not going to stop hearing about him or from him. (laughs) I hope you like me too. (laughs) So that was Lust for Life, Lana Del Rey's record that came out in the summer of 2017. 16 beautiful tracks. Um, you have the opinion from somebody who's never really listened to her and somebody who does nothing but listen to her. So I hope you guys liked the differing opinions. I hope you guys liked a little bit of the tracks that we played. And I hope you guys give Lana Del Rey a chance because she's a really fascinating human. And I think that she makes great art. And I think her art is very important right now. So all i had to say about lana what a long strange trip it's been (laughs) (laughs) but thank you for being on this ride with us the song i have for you guys today is by honey gentry she is from the uk and will also be featured in the new upcoming zine that i'm currently working on where i have a page that she is featured on where musicians talk about the women in music who inspired them to play honey has a very lana del rey sound that i'm absolutely in love with and i think that you guys will be too if you like lana del rey if you like good music or really if you like sad sad musicians because she's absolutely brilliant she actually covered 13 beaches by lana on her cover ep called dreams but the song that i have for you guys today is called baby forever she released it in december of 2016 she has a couple songs on her Bandcamp that are currently just singles but i definitely want you guys to check those out because she has a hauntingly beautiful sound that i think you guys will enjoy before i play you the track i want you guys to know where you can find me i am on twitter at rebel hearts girl t- facebook.com slash rebel hearts podcast gmail is rebelheartspodcast at gmail.com and Instagram is Sam is socks. I will see you guys at the front. Here is Honey Gentry.
You're a baby 